Welcome to 33 Podcast. My name is Erika. I'm one of the founders here at 33. We have a mission making athletes faster and healthier through natural sport nutrition. Whenever is your first park run or first gym session or experienced athlete pushing to the limit, uh, maybe doing an ultramarathon, an Ironman or even an Olympic medalist, the 33 Shake is the natural sport nutrition you need because it's incredible, powerful, natural and it's also tasty. There are a lot of podcasts hosted by men speaking to men. So I thought to take the opportunity to interview inspirational women doing amazing things. Um, that is why today's uh, guest is Sophie, Sophie Power. Welcome to Sophie Power. She is an ultramarathon. She competed the Marathon Deserve. Uh, she competed also on the Spartathlon in uh, Greece, 153 miles race. Uh, she did the UTMB, the Ultra uh, Trail du Mont Blanc. She is a mom of two beautiful kids and she is also a social impact entrepreneur. So on the International Women's Day, uh, Sophie was listed as one of the six female most inspirational uh, uh, runners over the past years. That's fantastic. So last step in the world of Sophie Power. So welcome, Sophie. Thank you. So it's so great to have you. And uh, I'm uh, very excited to speak with you, uh, not only because you are so inspirational, but you can be a great inspiration also for a lot, a lot of other women that they run and that they have to juggle their life, being a mom, being a wife, being uh, an entrepreneur. And uh, yeah, and not doing just a little uh, short run, doing a proper, uh, a proper, proper long distance. Um. I think it's a bit crazy. I mean, for me, I'm I'm just a mum and, and I, I love being a mum. I love my boys and I love running. Um, and I'm quite good at combining the two. Um, and I think the other women listed were very much kind of pro runners and they uh, achieve amazing things in their sport. Um, I think I'm in there more just because, um, not more for me, but more as a kind of a figurehead that actually, yes, they're pro runners and their job is to run, but most people who enjoy running um, are, are not are not a professional athletes. Um, we have jobs, we have families, we're juggling. Um, and for me, it's a case of saying, you know, our running is something that's special to us. It's our me time. Um, the time I have to myself, I can't answer emails when I'm running. I will fall over, especially where I've, I've moved down to the trails in Guildford. Um, I will fall over. Um, so it's really saying kind of there are this massive world of, of non-professional athletes that actually can achieve great things and we can do crazy distances and crazy speeds and crazy endurance as well as having a job um, and we should just kind of reflect that that's most people. Most people um, are not Dina Ashesmith uh, who's amazing but most people can never be like her but most people can be like me. That's amazing because I don't think so. It's so easy to be a mom, especially with two very young uh, child, and uh, following your dreams. So also as a, a person, like thinking about okay, what do I want to achieve? How can I achieve it? And especially if things things 
is more physical because mental probably you can find more the space but physical you really need hours and hours on your feet running on the trail <laughs> where you can't really look at it watch your kids <laughs> or you know doing something else you, can, you can't you can't I think but I think mums are the best multitaskers in the world and we're the most efficient people in the world um, and it's only when you have such limited time um, and you want to fit everything in that you realize you know what doesn't have to be in your day um, and take those big decisions as to there are some things you can't do everything this whole you can have it all it's rubbish you can't have it all um, maybe you can have it all uh, but not at the same time so kind of a hundred percent mother than a hundred percent career um, but for me it's having enough and there's lots of things that I don't need to do um, We've only just got Netflix. I, I don't really watch TV. Um, I don't have time. Um, I work in the evening so I can free up space in my day to run and to be with my boys. I think if most people look at their diary and break their day down and go, what could, what could go? Um, there's probably quite a few things that can go. Um, and then when it comes to my training, I'm just ultra efficient at only doing the mileage I need to do and the sessions I need to do to, to, to get to where I want to be. There's, there's no junk in there. There's no time for junk. Do you have a coach for this or is something that you are able to manage by yourself? So I, um, I've had a weight training coach um, and for the last, uh, Nick Kinsella for the last seven, eight years, uh, but he just moved to Madrid. Um, so I've had a weight training coach for, for a long time and then my running I did myself. Um, it was only when I had a place in Spartathlon that I realized, you know, running 20 miles a week Um, I was getting through 100 milers quite happily on 20 miles a week. Um, Spartathlon, that wasn't going to work. Um, so I got a coach, Robbie Britton, who's an amazing um, kind of ultra runner. Um, and then after UTMB, um, I have a new coach, Edwina Sutton, who is an incredible uh, female ultra runner. Um, I think especially after coming back after having a baby, it's much easier to discuss um, how your body's feeling with a woman who also has children. Um, and she fits everything in and, and I talk to her and it's very much, how's my life going? What's going well? What are the best, most effective sessions? Um, what can we pass on? Um, and she's absolutely brilliant, um, at making me get out the door. Um, so yesterday I had to do a 60 minute run, um, recovery. And I was like, ah, oh, I don't want to do this. And I was like, no, 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 I, I have the time. I can make the time. Let's do it. My husband's like, you've got to get out there. It's on your program. And this is why you're doing the run. So Yes, I have a coach. Um, it would be difficult to really fit everything in now without someone um, kind of on my back making sure I do. So you were saying also the support of your husband. This is quite interesting. So is your husband also him an athlete? How he can, uh, are you able to make him understand your necessity as uh, an ultra runner? Because it's not just a necessity. It's like, I will run half marathon. So you don't need as much as, uh, uh, you know, training. So tell me something about it, how you do that. Um, so when we met, um, we met um, when I just turned 20 and we were interns in an investment bank and neither one of us were athletes. Um, I'd never run a mile at this point. Um, he'd never run at all. Um, he grew up being a very good tennis player, a very good horse rider. Um, and I fell into ultra running kind of the, the same time he kind of fell into triathlon. Um, and then we ended up doing Ironman together. Um, and we just loved, I signed him up for, um, 
this sounds terrible. I signed him up for a stage race in Nepal uh, without telling him. So I come back home and I go, honey, we're going to Nepal for holiday. He goes, great. We're running at 250 kilometers um, and we're carrying everything we need for the week. He's like, okay, okay. Um, but he's a great athlete. He's incredibly strong mentally. Um, he's just done the ice ultra a few years ago. He's going to do it again in January. Um, so we're wired very similarly. We both like time in nature. Um, we like to push our boundaries. Um, he completely understands me. Um, and he's completely behind me and I'm not completely behind him. Um, I think it would be very difficult if he didn't understand why I, I need to, to get out and be on my own for periods of time. He needs the same. He, he goes out for runs and cycles. Um, and we're bringing our boys up to not be pushed in sport, but to just have this appreciation of, of being outside and um, and looking in, in forests and finding things and running up hills. And um, yeah, I'm, ve I'm very lucky that we're, we're, he's completely supportive of me and, and I'm completely supportive of him. Yeah, so basically you give also to him the space to train and that I think is not so easy also to juggle that because both of you, you probably need quite a lot of time separately to make that happen <laughs> for training. You think so. And I think that's where if I wanted to be a, so for example, if I wanted to be on the, the British ultramarathon running team, I would need to be running 80 miles a week. My life does not allow for 80 miles a week. So that's just what's going to happen. Am I going to be the quickest I can be? No, that's okay. Like my goal is not to be a pro athlete. My goal is to um, feel physically fit to enjoy my training, to do the best I can within my boundaries. And I think that's where it comes down to saying you can't have it all. Um, you can't be the 100% best athlete and the 100% kind of best businesswoman, 100% best kind of family life all at once. It doesn't, it doesn't work. Um, so we try and spend time together. We get up early. Um, at the weekends, if you looked at our, our diary, of, of I, I, I get up early and train then, um, I'm off to park, he, you know, he gets early trained and he's, I'm off to park run. Then he takes the, that my older son to ballet and tap. Then I get back from that. Then he goes off spinning uh, and then the morning is kind of done. And then afternoons are all family time. So we manage it. We juggle, we do it together. Um, at the moment I've got the biggest race next. So I'll spend more time, um, at the weekend than him. And then his big race is January and then it'll all shift back towards him. So I mean, his goals are my goals and my goals are his goals. So it's about making sure that we, we, we both hit our goals and um, as a family. I think that is a great line, uh, his goals is my goals, because you're, I totally understand this. Uh, um, Warren and myself, we both uh, like, you know, to, uh, to race. We like to do sports. And uh, also with our work as an entrepreneurs from other side, we, we are working actually together, like two trains on the same, uh, you know, course. And that actually, I think it does help a lot also the couple, the relationship between the, the couple. I don't know in your case, but I think if maybe your husband, he was not being a, also him an athlete, probably he couldn't understand your necessities. I think so, although I would always encourage him to have something that was him. 
So I think when I kind of talk to mums and a lot of them say, you know, I'm not a runner, but I'm inspired by this because I love to paint or I love to dance or I love to, to cook or something that's their passion. And I think it's really important to have something that is you, that is not your family and not your work. Um, as I always talk about kind of um, when I was younger and I was made redundant in a really nasty way um, after I got married um, and told you to go and have babies because that's what you do when you get married um, as you're a woman in finance. Um, this is quite a long time ago. Um, <laughs> and I went into kind of a, a depressive state because I'd put my whole uh, kind of image of myself as my career. Um, and that was me. And I was defined by my career. And, and I was kind of a young woman. I was killing it in finance. I was doing really well in, in, in working in these companies. And that was me. And I now realize that I can't allow just to be one thing. And it's really unhealthy because when you lose that and someone can take that away from you so easily, um, then you, 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 you have nothing else. So for me, it's important to be your, your career is very important. Your family's very important, but you yourself are important and whatever it is that makes you, you, and you love doing, and you love doing to relax and you love doing to, to excel at and to, um, kind of get some kind of real kind of passion in. It's important to have that. So if he wasn't an athlete and he liked doing something completely different, I would encourage him to have something that wasn't just going to work and coming back to the family. Um, it's important. I, I, for me, the kind of mental health is, is just as important as physical health. Absolutely. I think actually finding that balance of following your dreams or following something that actually make fulfill you is very, very, um, it's fundamental. Keep, uh, it keep you, it keep you young inside also when you will be older, because otherwise your life, it became just a repetition work, family, work family <laughs> there is nothing else where actually you can find that you to fulfill yourself I, I mean my husband's amazing so we moved out of london uh three months ago um and now he gets up at five o'clock every morning to take the first train on the first trains into london so that he can get back for the boys um for bedtime um i'm lucky i work more flexibly so i go up kind of three days a week but i can do drop off first but then he comes home and then he does bedtime and then he'll often go to the gym at eight o'clock when the boys are in bed to train. Um, but if he didn't get up at five o'clock in the morning, that wouldn't all be possible. So um, he knows that he needs something else. And, and we, we also then need kind of time just as a couple. Um, it's, 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 it's not the same when you have the boys around the whole time, you need that time as well and have shared interests. And then, Luckily, we both like kind of going out for a nice long hike in the woods. That's fantastic. So now I would like to speak about something that uh, it, it took my attention, but not only mine, <laughs> and was your picture of breastfeeding your three months years old during the UTMB. That this picture is gone viral. And if you don't mind, we, can, uh, we will post it also on our social media, if you don't mind. And, uh, uh, I think everyone's seen it now. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fantastic. And this is, it triggered a global debate uh, uh, about motherhood. So tell me something about it, because you are really uh, creating a, a huge difference. Um, I think 
think the first thing is I never set out to to do any of it. Um, and the I was just getting on with feeding a baby at a at a um, at a checkpoint. And I think for me, the one side is how the race came about. Um, so I lost out my UTMB place when I was pregnant with my first son. Um, you have to get points over two years to do it. Um, and I kept losing out in the ballot and they, they wouldn't ref- defer my place of pregnancy. They defer it for an injury. They don't defer for pregnancy. Uh, that's their policy. Um, I asked them to change it. They said no. Um, and then I lost out in places, lost out in places. And finally I had another place, um, like an automatic one because I'd missed out so many times. And it happened to be, um, in kind of August, 2018, um, I knew January, 2017, cause I'd lost out. Um, and I assumed I'd have an older baby cause we're trying for a baby. Um, life doesn't work that way. Um, and I realized that I'd be on the start line with a three month old. Um, and for us, it was just sit down as a family going, well, this is a long shot, but how could we do this? Like, what would have to happen for this to happen? Um, Let's not think of the reasons why not. Let's think of, it's not likely, but how could this happen? Um, We went through, okay, well, through the pregnancy, keeping fit and strong, doing all the things that I'll need to do. So keep my cardio up, um, stop running at five months, because I knew that when I ran longer my first pregnancy, I had a lot of pelvic floor problems when I gave birth. Um, and then get back into, um, cardio and strength and, um, replicating the course. So on pregnancy, I was on the stair mill rather than, and, and walking incline a treadmill. Um, and then going through everything on the X, the big Excel spreadsheet as a very big Excel spreadsheet on how I could keep my milk supply up, how I could just test things, how I could get the baby there. So for us, it was just a, you know, this is what we do as a family. If there's a problem, then we come together and we say, how can this happen? And then we look at what that means and we say, is that crazy? And this was at the onset crazy, but then things fell into place and my recovery went really well. I had a great uh, water birth um, with Cormac, um, recovered really well. So it all started being more and more real. I only started running really four weeks before um and I only really decided that I was going to get around that whole course a few days before the race and not just be on the start line and enjoy it. So that's the side kind of behind it. And for me, it was, well, I'm breastfeeding exclusively um, and I'm going to be in a lot of pain with the milk. So I'm going to have to feed them. Um, how do I do that with the nanny um, looking after Donica, um, bringing him to the checkpoint, um, John, my husband being there, my friend Matt being there. Um so for me, this was just how the power family were going to run this race um, as a family. Um, and then a photographer asked to take my photo um, and he asked my husband and the photographer is Lexus Berg and he's one of the most famous ultra running photographers in the world. He, his photographs are absolutely beautiful. I've been following them for ages. I didn't recognize him as because I recognize his photos. Um, but my husband said yes and asked me and only because I wanted them to change the policy on the race. So the race, I wanted them, I thought maybe they'll see this as a Strava story um, or as a run of wild story and say, we should change, you know, we should change our policy because look, there's this woman here 
she's lost out for years. She'd never be, she'd love to run the next year really fit. And that would have been my preference. I mean, this was crazy what I was doing, but I was looking at like another five years maybe without this race. Um, I wouldn't have done this for a race that I could have just done the next year easily. Um, I'd have waited a few months. It, it, it was a bit crazy, but this has been a dream for a long time. Um, and then the first I knew that they'd shared it, they, they showed me the photo. I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. But it's so beautiful. And it's, for me, kind of everything about kind of how I love my son um, and my boys. So then it went shared and then it went a bit crazy. And um, people sharing it on so, so many different levels from kind of a, a more superficial level, like she's breastfeeding in public. Let's start a debate on why this is okay to levels of breastfeeding, especially they're very low in the, in the United Kingdom. Um, and they should be higher. Um, a lot of women aren't given the support they need to just the whole motherhood debate. Um, which is what I love to speak about, which is that mothers are amazing. We're so strong. Women are so strong. We can recover quickly. Um, and we deserve the chance to be more than just a mother, be the person that we are, we were before we had babies is still the same person. And we have our hopes and dreams as well as those for our children. And we should be supported to, to keep following them. It's fantastic. But did they, did they, UTMB, did they change then the, the, um, the policy or they didn't? Unfortunately, not as far as I'm aware. I mean, they're obviously very, very aware of the photo. Um, they could not be. Um, and it's really especially sad to me because it's a female race director. So you'd think that they'd understand, but her policy is that you choose when you get pregnant. Now, I and millions of women know out that you do not choose when you get pregnant. Um, you don't press a button and a baby pops out. Yeah. Um, and, and they say kind of, well, what about kind of other things that affect men more? I think pregnancy and having babies is the biggest difference between men and women athletes. Um, and we should be given um, help for that. And I think if you ask every man in the race, you'll get a massive majority that want to see more women in the race. Um, it's only 10% women. And, and I feel like a second class citizen um, because women are not supported um, and they support the, they, they, but they support the men. So they haven't changed. But what has happened is most of the big international races have put policies in place that say that you can defer your entry if you become pregnant um, once you have it or you can get a refund um, and they're really supporting the, the the female athletes. And even if not many women take it up, it's just something to say we really value women running ultramarathons and we believe in women and their, their abilities. Um, and I think that's the positive um, outcome I'm taking from it. Fantastic. I think it's the best <laughs> how positive message, you know, and uh, seeing actually that some races they are doing because... It sounds really incredible that that is not uh, one of the possibility why you're not able to race. Injuries, yes. Pregnancy, no. <laughs> that sounds really, uh, sounds really backward. Um, there is another aspect that is very interesting because, uh, of course, uh, you just gave birth three months before <laughs> to your little baby. How do you train while you're pregnant? I think the first thing is there's very little advice out there because you can't really test on pregnant women. So 
everyone's making it up as they go along and our, our bodies are amazing and they tell us when things are wrong so if things feel wrong they're probably wrong if things feel right they're probably right so I followed a few kind of basic rules I never got too much out of breath for long periods of time um, I, I never got too hot so I was doing spin class and God forbid anyone take the bike right by the big fan. Like that was my bike. Like get off my bike. I want the bike by the big fan. Um, with a spray bottle of water, um, slowing down if I got too hot. Um, and there's certainly kind of don't be on your back for um, long periods of time and and protect your your belly. So I box, um, but um, my like when I did my kind of boxing sessions, no one was allowed to punch me, um, which is quite nice. Um, <laughs> because of the belly so I think it's very much I went into pregnancy both times really strong um and the 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 problem is on this on the spectrum you um it's all about avoiding risk and not focusing on the benefits um so if you listen to everything you would just sit on the couch your pregnancy go for a little walk and and eat too much um whereas actually exercise um is shown to kind of increase outcomes in labor if you're fit I mean like giving birth is an endurance event um you need to be fit for an endurance event um my first labor was from start waters breaking to baby was 40 hours um my second was a bit quicker um but it's hard um and you want to be kind of physically ready um so for me I started weight training as usual um when I didn't feel like running anymore I stopped running um, when different weight exercises kind of the bump got in the way, I sat down with my trainer and said, what are we trying to do with this exercise? Is there another way of working that same muscle or creating that same instability? Um, he was behind me on some of the more unstable things, um, like kind of lunging forward and pushing back. He was right behind me. Um, so there's lots of things you can do in pregnancy. Um, I wouldn't ride a bike um, cause I'm not very good on a bike. Um, a lot of people feel comfortable riding a bike. Um, so it's what you're, you're comfortable doing. But I think if we focus only on the risk and not the benefits, the overall outcomes for, for most women will be worse. And especially when you give birth, you're going to have to be picking up this baby. Um, I even put my back out, um, with, um, transferring him from one side to the other breastfeeding at night. So, it's important to be strong. Preparing for motherhood is, is, is a fitness program. It's like another race. Exploring better the connection with your body and know better what your body is telling you. If it's telling you that something is wrong, it means it's wrong. If it's telling you it's fine, keep doing it. And I think this is something not everyone they are able to, to know because they don't know their body. It's listen to your body is such a difficult thing to at the very beginning. It probably a woman, because when she get pregnant, she started to have all this new sensation that before it never had. You started to explore more the connection with your body. I think that's right. I think when you're fit and healthy, kind of everything feels fine. And I know that there are a lot of people that don't wake up every morning feeling great. Um, for me, if I don't feel great, there's something wrong and I go and work out what it is. Um, this morning I'm knackered because uh, my baby kept me up between two and four wanting a chat. He was just going, blah, 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 blah. I was like, like two hours. I was like, okay, I'm tired. But also I'm like, okay, well, actually my leg is a little bit sore from a run. Um, 
I look, I look through it because normally I feel fit and healthy. Um, and in pregnancy, then you can take that through and say, this feels a bit funny. This feels a bit funny. Um, my undercarriage hasn't quite gone back together yet. There's a little ligament and I know when I run certain ways, I feel it. And then I do make sure I do my physio exercises that I'm always forgetting to do. It's important to know your body, but to know what's wrong, you kind of have to get it for me in a good state first and then be kind of pain-free, kind of ache-free and go, right, this is the baseline. If it's not the baseline, what's happened to me? Um, and that's a lot of kind of diet and exercise and sleep and, and, and working on it. And, um, I think I'm lucky that I've got to the position where that's all mostly in place. Um, for others, they have a, a, a while to go to get there. So for the diet, for example, what is your outcome, which is your advice? <laughs> um, so my trainer jokes that if I didn't run, I'd be the size of a house. Um, I really love food um, and um, I love quite naughty food as well. It's good food. Um, for me, it's having struggled with my weight for years. I was the fat kid um, and I struggled to keep weight off. Um, when I did my MBA, it was 10 months and I put on 20 pounds because I was drinking wine and eating too much cheese. It was in France and then Singapore, I was eating this fried food. Um, so for me, it's The more I train, the better my diet is because my body tells me it needs good recovery food. So it's kind of, it's really, really bad. If I'm injured, it's terrible um, because my body's not telling me to take in, in really good food um, and I have to control myself. When I'm training, I actually don't want the whole tub of ice cream because I'm, I'm reaching for the, the fruit and veg and, and, and the recovery shake. So um, I, I would listen to me on diet. I, th I think the main thing is, always have food that you love um, because some of these kind of diets I see and I go, I don't know, I don't like anything of that. Eat really lovely food, um, choose the best quality food you can. Um, if I eat better quality chocolate, I eat less of it than I eat the kids stuff that's kind of the kids chocolate. Um, yeah, I, I actually wouldn't listen to me on diet. And how do you feed all your, your long uh, ultras? Um, I eat real food. Um, I hate sticky fruity gels. I've never used them. I think they're terrible with the teeth. Um, I eat real food. Um, salty um, is really important. Sweet, um, a mix. Um, but I think of what I actually eat on runs. Um, long ones. So a, a race, I will. they have lots of different things. So in, in the UTMB, they have ham and cheese um, and bread and little crackers. Um, they're really great. Um, I love salt and vinegar crisps. Um, they always go down really well. Um, uh, flapjacks I make with chia seeds in them. Um, then um, hot cross buns. Uh, this is like, a, um, oh, really like Boost bars, Snickers bars, um, nuts. Uh, I mean, it's a whole list of whatever my body says it wants to eat, I give it. Um, in Spartathlon, I had guacamole wraps because I had a crew. Um, <laughs> And um, that was, guacamole is brilliant. It's so calorific and you can eat it by the spoon. And how did you find it when you were doing the uh, UTMB and you were breastfeeding your kid, but at the same time you had also to think about yourself, you know, feed yourself, but at the same time you said, my mind needed to produce milk, so I needed to give more to myself. 
How was that? Because you probably were forcing extra food or, or how did you were able to deal with that? I've never hated eating so much. Um, it was, so an ultra is an, an eating and drinking race, um, especially in that distance. You can get through a 50 miler without kind of worrying too much. You might have a few bad hours. I was out there 43 hours. Um, so first of all, I needed, and I didn't have any fat burning optimization because before I would go for a two hour run fasted, but you can't do that. I mean, I was, I need to eat before I get out of bed when I'm breastfeeding because I'm so hungry in the morning. Um, so that was never going to work. So it was really almost like spreadsheeted that I needed kind of 300 calories per hour for the first kind of 18 hours, um, which while you're on the move is a huge amount. And I couldn't let myself kind of go under that because then I, I, you can't really play catch up. Your digestive system can't say, oh, I haven't eaten three hours, I'll have 900. Um, when you're on the move, it doesn't work. So I would just find myself at checkpoints going, I have to eat 300 calories before I leave um, or 500 and take some stuff with me. I was horrible. Um, it, was, it was just, if I don't eat this food, then maybe I can keep moving, but I won't have my milk supply. Um, and that was really important to me. Um, so it was hard. It was really hard. It's hard, no it's hard enough not having to breastfeed. The amount of food you have to consume to do it and breastfeed is, um, it's just not fun. <laughs> and I love food and that really wasn't fun. I bet, I bet. It was in another challenge in the challenge. <laughs> So I know that you are passionate on uh, empowering women and you are doing it. But to me, uh, seeing your story, reading about you, it was interesting that a lot of things, they come from you being a mom or mom-to-be. So the picture of you breastfeeding your three-month-old baby at uh, one of the checkpoints of the UTMB, went so viral that it gave you the opportunity to spread an important message of motherhood and running. And again, because you were a mom, mom-to-be, you realize a, a danger, a danger of, of uh, the hair pollution. This leads you to find a solution and you design a hair filter and you build a business around it. Tell me more about it. I'm very excited to know. <laughs> so when I was pregnant with my first son, Danica, so this is 20, this is about five years ago, um, I realized that as every mom does, you do everything to um, look at how you have a healthy pregnancy. So yes, the diet and exercise, um, but how do you protect your, your unborn child? Like what should I be supplements taking? Um, and I realized that the air pollution when I lived in London um, was making his lungs smaller. So he would be born with lungs that were smaller than they should be and um, they'd never recover in size. So I thought, how can I create something to protect from the air pollution? And in London, it's, it's mostly nitrogen dioxide from the diesel fumes and nothing existed. Um, so I co-founded a technology company with a professor of atmospheric chemistry at the University of Copenhagen um, called Airlabs. And we created this technology. Um, so you have a consumer product out there. 
um, done large partnerships with Stella McCartney, who's amazing, who has it in her store um, and really spreads the message. Um, and in large stations in London and work at the body shop, um, JC Co. Um, so that, that was my, my company and I ran that um, until very recently um, where I stepped down to, to let a new CEO take over um, and away from the business because you cannot, you cannot have it all. And I felt that I was missing out time with my kind of youngest and actually I've got lots of other projects to do. Um, but yeah, I juggled running a business with training for UTMB. Um, I took 10 days maternity leave and went back part time. And my life was one big juggle. Um, but very much being an entrepreneur, um, building the company up um, and having my sons. I mean, my sons, I think, drive everything I do now. Um, everything I, I when you're a mum, your your family factors in every decision. Um, but the company very much my passion about kind of air pollution and maybe now not so much kind of cleaning it, but stopping it being made in the first place. Um, and how do we um, get governments to reduce the amount of emissions and how do we help people avoid them um, is really kind of part of my heart. So now all my projects are very much driven by kind of what I want the world to look like for my boys um, and how can, I, how can I play my part in making that a better place. How were you able to grow the company in such a small amount of time because you when did you started the company started it in uh 20 summer of 20 i'm trying to think but i, I can do it with the dates of my babies um summer of 2014 exactly so in really few years you were able to to make it really successful how you did it um i guess one side is kind of the my time one side is the is the company itself um the biggest Thing for me is if you hire really really smart driven um, passionate people and you leave them to work um, and you challenge them they will come up with amazing things um, so as a kind of a, a leader I'm definitely could kind of hire the best possible people work with them encourage them um, empower them um, an amazing team of scientists in Copenhagen and we just pushed and we knew it was so important and they said this can't be done I said but why not let's go and try it let's see and they and I how long will this take and they say four years and I go okay let's let's see where we can get to in four months and they come back and it's like 90% there so for me it's putting kind of a commercial brain I had to a really big problem and trying to find a really effective solution that actually made an impact and there's lots of companies out there that have these niche products. And for me, it's like, how do I make the biggest possible impact? Um, and actually, there's one thing that's a product. For me, it's the, the bigger impact we had was educating and changing the view on air pollution. So five years ago, not many people talked about it. Now in London, it's all anyone talks about. Um, and they talk about it in a much broader sense than before because we've put things out there from our research that's gone to big university research programs. So for me, a lot of the impact that we could have has been done that way. Um, and I'm really, really proud of, of what we created and happy to step back now. The company's commercializing. It's all about kind of making products. But for me, the big impact was the, the, the story we had and obviously having kind of two small children um, and speaking as a mum had a much greater impact than being just a company um but for me ma managing it I mean it's all about help 
Um, and I think more women or, or men that manage to do things should have to talk about the help they get. Um, I had a 24-3 nanny when Dunnock was born after three months. So she came Monday morning. She left Thursday lunchtime. Sole charge. So I And, and as, as a CEO, I could work flexibly. So I would train in the morning. Then I'd be doing my breastfeeding. Then I'd work. Uh, then I'd feed again. Then I'd pick up. Um, and then I work in the evening. So it's it's all it's all having nannies and childcare and cleaners and all the things that you can take off that you don't want to do, um, and then having help for the rest. You can't have a. I, I'm some some people do, but like do all the childcare for your children and run a business and have a clean and tidy home and manage everything. It doesn't happen. And anyone that says on their social media that it does and they have this perfect life without any help, I would kind of call their bluff. I totally understand. And also, not, not only because you didn't have only a job, or in any case, as a, in a high position, you were creating a job. You were creating a difference. And that this idea of the impact that it will be for the future of your kids is so outstanding. We all have a mission for next generation. We at 33 have the mission for next generation and this generation to make sport nutrition healthy from real food. Ordinary sport nutrition products are exactly the opposite of real food. If you look at the ingredients in ordinary sport nutrition, it looks like more a list of a chemistry experiment. The power of real food is way more beneficial. For us, this was the innovation. It's not so easy for everyone to embrace innovation. I would imagine that you had a similar difficulty at the very beginning try to explain and make uh, uh, people aware about the danger of uh, air pollution, especially for uh, newborns. That's, I think you have to be, it's really hard being the only one saying something. Um, and you're hammering on a door. And I remember going to speak to the government um, about air pollution and about our units and about one of the problems. And they're like, great, because you could just put these units um, kind of by our monitoring stations and then you clean the air around the monitoring station and then the levels would be really low that we have to report to EU. And I really hope the guy was joking. Um, but that's the kind of thing that they're like, well, it's not a problem, kind of where are the health problems? And then they start coming out and they start coming out and then you're actually kind of, now I'm kind of mainstream. Um, but five years ago, I wasn't. And it's really hard. And I think you have to work out who the early adopters are and who cares. And for me, it was the people that cared like me. It was the mums. Mums um, would do anything for their babies. And it's saying, okay, um, when you're at a crossing, or take the back streets. When you're at a crossing, take a few steps back. When you're cooking, make sure you're ventilating your home. This is for your children's lungs. Getting them talking about it meant that other people talked about it and people heard the news. So it's hard being the only one um, or what you feel like the only one or kind of the radical people. Um, but trying to chip away at who's most likely to, to get on the bandwagon um, quicker. Um, and the companies, obviously kind of Body Shop's an incredible environmental company. Stella McCartney's an unbelievable um, person that 
it, it it's so much more than a fashion brand. She's she's creating sustainable fashion um, and and putting that into other companies. She's amazing. How you were able to create that uh, connection? How did you contact her? Did you contact her directly or did it happen through someone else? Uh, she called me. Um, um, they read about the technology in the newspaper. I think one of the things that I knew my strength was, was speaking about the problem from the side of a mum, was taking my kind of um, son on, on the BBC and playing with things and just saying that this is a, this is a person that we're, we're hurting here. Um, and they called me um, and they were doing the new store on Bond Street and I said, can we have kind of some form of sculpture? Can we do something around air pollution? It's such a problem here and we want to, to play our part. And I said, I'll clean the air in your entire store um, because of the people that work there. Not about come to our store because you have lots of money and you can kind of shop in a clean air zone, but because she's employing people and expecting them to work in a polluted area. Um, and that gave us both a platform to talk about the problem of workers breathing um, bad air, especially in kind of retail jobs, um, in, in, in lesser skilled jobs, um, often by the worst air qualities. Um, and that was brilliant. And, and we really value the fact that they, they came to us. The same thing with the, the body shop, the same thing with Marlborough Station. Um, it gave us a much bigger platform to talk about things. So um, that was great. Fantastic, fantastic. So what's next? What is happening in your life? Where, where, where are you now? <laughs> Hello. Um, so at the moment, I, so I left our labs a few months ago. Um, and, and whilst I love it forever, um, it's very difficult as something that's been your baby, um, your third child to have kind of less than every, every any involvement is a hundred percent. So, um, I've left the, the amazing team to, to grow that. And I'm working on some social impact projects, um, with different companies and advising them. So, um, I'm just back from Guatemala, um, running a race with impact marathon series. Uh, which is an incredible company I've been advising for a few years, um, where they run a week-long um, marathon um, in incredible countries, Guatemala, Nepal, and Malawi, and Kenya. Um, and you go out and you work with some incredible local charities um, during the week, um, some pretty manual labor, um, and really understand kind of the culture and, and the problems there and the opportunities there and, and the people who are amazing, and, and we learn from them. Um, and then you run an incredible marathon or half marathon at the end. So I was up and down this volcano a couple of times, which most spectacular courses. So working with them to, they've already raised a million dollars for for charity through the races. How do we raise more? How do we get more runners knowing about it with kind of limited marketing budgets? Um, how do we make a greater impact um, as a company? So that's my kind of sporty favorite one. Um, but I'm also working on some things on, on identification, um, kind of some more environmental projects um, and uh, settling my family in outside London which is um, really important to get right so for me kind of giving the boys shorter days in, in their preschool and their nursery um, spending more time with them now we, we we take so long to get to nursery in the morning because we pass lambs um, <laughs> we pass ducks and we walk along the canal we see horses and lambs and we see how much they're growing um, and then I'm training for spine. So I'm running Spine Fusion, which is um, a non-stop race along the Pennine Way in the UK, uh, 270 miles non-stop um, at the end of June. So completely new challenge for me. Um, 
and just getting my training sorted, getting everything sorted, big Excel spreadsheet as usual. Um, and that, so it's, it's really, really busy. Um, and then thinking maybe, do I write a book? A lot of people have asked me to write a book about kind of motherhood and running and thinking whether that might be the next project, but I'm not sure. Sounds quite scary. Fantastic. I think you're not scared about that. Come on. <laughs> you did the bigger and huge challenges. So I'm sure that a book would be such a, such a exciting and inspirational for a lot of, uh, a lot of people, a lot of runners and not only entrepreneurs in general and moms because they have to remember also to keep their dreams, uh, not just be a mom, uh, because it's already a big role, but at the same time, uh, keep yourself uh, as, uh, you know, following your dreams and not to uh, give up. I think that's, I think I never realized until this photo was taken that these are things that I just hold, kind of, I've learned lessons in life, I've learned so many lessons, and for me, this is just natural. Of course, I need to maintain the side of me because I know how important my, my mental health is. Um, and it's really sad that some women kind of, I always talk at work, kind of, you say kind of, kind of women ask permission and, and men ask forgiveness. And that's why they take the risks and they get promoted because they've got these successful projects. As a mother, we don't even bother asking for permission to do things for ourselves because we just don't think that we have the right to take that hour for ourselves. Even when we see our husband going off to football practice or kind of for his time, we don't even have the feel that that's okay because we don't have the role models that show it's okay. You, you're a great mom. You, you, you're a great mom if you're not with your kids 24 hours a day. In fact, you could possibly be a better mom if you have some time for yourself and you're more kind of confident and you have kind of stronger physical and mental health. Um, and for me, that's the case. Um, and everyone's different, but for me, I think, yeah, getting the message out there somehow um, through this, and, and maybe I write the book, um, although you have to find kind of publishers and agents, and it's a whole new world for me um, that I need to start thinking about. Um, but I am so, um, I'm so inspired by all the women that message me and I write with and sharing their stories, and they're so strong and seeing how much as positivity has come from this from so many women is just such a, an honor. And I'm, I'm so humbled by it all. Um, so for me, the kind of, I never set out to be some empowering woman person, um, or kind of to have social, I had no Instagram until UTMB hit. And then I had to work out how to use it. I was rubbish. I'm still rubbish. Um, but the more I can do to, to help other women, um, and, and to help kind of the men that support those women, um, I kind of feel that I, I really want to do it because it's it's so wonderful for me to see the impact it has. You are absolutely right. You can be a better mom if you also do something else for yourself and not just being there all the time. I think so. And I, I look kind of, I look to inspire my children as well. And I think when I think about kind of UTMB, you know, what kept me going was very much kind of during the week in Chamonix, you have um, all these children's races um, and so my, my son did his first 400 meters and he got like these kind of gear and I got my t-shirt and, um, he, 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 he remembers that race so clearly, but you see the finish line of all the other races, uh, that come through the town center and everyone's cheering the whole week and UTMB is one of the last. And he was looking at these families finishing together and these, these, these men and women running with their kids. And he's like, that's going to be me. I'm going to run with my mom. 
um like mommy like you're gonna we're gonna run together and and that kept me going because like I could not finish because my three-year-old wanted to finish with me and he is amazing and he's so inspiring I see him kind of I want to be a a better mother I want to be a better role model um I don't have daughters if I had daughters then it'll be the same thing but my sons will grow up thinking women are strong and women are equal and and anything daddy can do mommy can do apart from throw a ball I'm really bad at throwing balls but he knows <laughs> mommy can run faster than daddy so it's kind of a balance um but it's um it's so important to me to 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 kind of spend the time with my children not feeling guilty and feeling 100% with them um, and not trying to multitask all the time. For me, it's far better to have someone else look after my children for a couple of hours and me get all the stuff I have to get done so that when I pick them up, I'm with them 100% and that's what they love. Um, that works better for me. Um, guilt, I just don't read the media. I think as a mum, you can't do anything right. Um, if you read things about whatever choice you make, there is someone that will tell you it's wrong. So whatever you do, you're wrong. So you might as well not listen to what anyone has to say and just do whatever you want because you're going to be wrong anyway. Well, you are so inspirational and a, a pearl of wisdom, <laughs> I will call it. So just the last thing before we, we finish, I'm very interested about... Uh, how it looks like now your spreadsheet because everything is about spreadsheet <laughs> what how does it look that um there's spreadsheets on different things so um at the moment if i I'll, I, should put, I was looking at this morning so at the moment i've got one on kit selection so looking at um what i'm taking for spine um and um, i'm working with arcteryx for amazing uh, sustainable amazing um, outerwear guys that have given me kit to test for spines so I've got all my things and, and what they're giving me and I'm testing it everything out and it's brilliant um, pack selection and shoe selection socks everything so that's my kit um, then I have one on my training um, which I fill in with my coach um, and um, how much I what I need to get to to get there um, where my peak weeks are my recovery weeks um, I'm about to go on holiday, so what I need to take for the different days. Then we have one on salt. So I am very susceptible to salt, um, to hyponatremia. Um, I've been in a coma before with it on a race. Um, it's a big safety thing for me. So kind of how many liters I take, how much salt I need, what I need at all the checkpoints. Spine, you only get resupplied five times in 270 miles of difficult terrain. So it's checkpoint bags, what's going to be in the bags, um, all my kit, everything going to pack. Um, it's all on Excel spreadsheets. Um, so I've got another, I think about nine weeks until the race. And I just look at it every few days and add bits and take things away and um, start thinking of my food, um, what I take between the points, what I can't carry, what's heavy, what's not, what the recovery shakes I want to take during the race. Um, and then listing that out to what I need to trial and practice. Um, and what I need, I can just, I know that's okay. So that's a complicated way to say, it's a big spreadsheet um, and it will get me around hopefully. All my pacings as well will be another one. So I'm hopefully gonna speak to some people that have done the race before to think about what, how difficult the different legs are, what pace I expect to go. And that shows me what time I'll be at different areas. And for example, there's a burger van 
um, when you cross one of the motorways mm. and you won't have had food for a while. So you want to get to that motorway when the burger van is open to get the burgers. Um, so I need to plan my race back. So I'm getting my burger because otherwise I have to carry more food. Fantastic. There's give you also aim for the right timing for everything. So, you know, <laughs> that's fantastic. Sophia, thanks so much to be our guest. It's such been a pleasure to have you. You are so inspirational. I'm looking forward to having the opportunity again to have you on the show because uh, there are so many aspects. Now you were speaking about the salt, the, the different or the comedy, other, other stories, your, <laughs> or your past stories that I really would like to explore at one point. And of course, after your, your big race that is coming up, uh, you said in five weeks? In nine weeks. So nine it weeks. Starts, it starts on the, I think the 22nd of June, um, but you can all log in and track me. So I'm going to have a little tracker dot on my back. Um, so you can log on to the, the spine, the Montaigne Spine website um, and, and just see where I am. And you can go to sleep and wake up and I probably won't have gone that much further. Um, so we call it dot tracking. So you can just dot track me for, for a few days and just laugh, just laugh when you're having a glass of wine and, and, and a bowl of pasta that I am out in the dark, cold, wet and miserable. Well, I tell you what, I will definitely check it out. I will definitely follow in and send into you energy from the other side. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it was really a pleasure. If people, they would like to find you, to contact you, which is the best, your Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or just let me know. Um, so the best way is Instagram. So I'm ultra underscore Sophie on Instagram and message me through there and follow me to see what I'm going to do on the spine because that's going to be um, interesting. <laughs> It's exciting, exciting. I'm looking forward to, uh, to follow you and uh, looking forward to have you back just after that. Maybe it will be fun so we can speak about that, your big adventure. Perfect. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much, Sophie. I really appreciate it. Enjoy your day and uh, speak to you very soon. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks. Bye.